What's up, everybody? And on this episode of the Artifact Podcast, we have two of our amazing middle school choir directors, Miss Maria Mejia and Miss Hillary Howerton, visiting with us today. We're going to be talking about middle school choir, voice changes, hot chips, and the random session of ASMR. Check it out. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Arts Effect Podcast. Once again, my name is Ray Levan, and I'm the extremely proud fine arts director here at Goose Creek CISD. And we have a really great show in store for you today because we're talking about middle school choir with two amazing people. Uh, we have Miss Hillary Howerton from Cedar Bayou Junior School and Maria Mejia from EF Green Junior School. Welcome, ladies. We're so happy to be here. Now, before you say a word, before you say a word, this is serious business. We're, we're, we're changing directions here on the Arts Effect podcast. For some reason, they were both practicing their ASMR voice <laughs> on the microphone whenever they got in here. So I think whenever they answer this first question about, you know, tell the whole, tell us a little bit about yourself and background kind of thing. I think you guys need to do it in ASMR. I think you should. Got it. Absolutely. See, we're starting early. <laughs> so whoever wants to introduce themselves first in ASMR, let's, let's do it. Hello. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry, failing. I'm trying to keep a straight face. Hello. My name is Hillary Howerton. I am the head choir director at Cedar Bayou Junior School here in Baytown, Texas. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this episode. My name is Mireya Mejia, and I am the choir director at EF Green Junior School. Represent. <laughs> Hers was cooler. Than I that. don't know. I cannot laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Hers was cooler. Than that was I amazing. Thank that, you for tuning in. That yeah. was a, that was amazing. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> it, this is like the midnight podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> Something like that. So, so ladies, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, like what made you, what made you be a choir teacher, and also like why middle school, of anything? Because both of you guys really are kind of in your lane. I know both of you have done both. You've done middle school, you've done high school, mm -hmm. but I know you guys gravitate to middle school. So the, for the listeners, like, like give us some of that and why gravitate to, towards middle school. Hillary, what do you think? Uh, well, hmm, let me think. Well, I didn't, I started off like, can we, how far can we back up? Back up pretty Back far? up all the all way. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, when I was in college, I was actually a performance major. And I originally, when I graduated high school, wanted to do musical theater stuff that wasn't in the cards for me, so to speak. And so I decided just to go straight um, being a vocal performance major. And that's what I got my degree in. Um, and I, while I was in college, I did some opera stuff overseas in Europe a little bit. Um, and then I did a lot of choral singing and things like that. And I thought performance was it. That's what you know, that was my, my jam and it still is my jam. Um, and then I go start my master's at the university of Kansas and I'm a graduate assistant. I'm getting paid to go to school basically. And I left all of that, uh, from what I call like a young midlife crisis. 
uh, trying to just find myself and figure out what the crap I'm doing, basically. Um, and so I came back home, and this is in 2012, um, and I took a year off to just kind of figure things out. And during that year off, I was substitute teaching and teaching voice lessons um, and doing the voice lesson teaching and things like that um, kind of made me think, oh, well, while I'm off, I'll get my alternative certification and see where that takes me because I enjoyed the teaching on one-on-one and things like that. Um, and I had led sectionals and things like that before. So, you know, and based on my high school experience, which was really awesome, my high school choir teacher was life-changing for me and still is to this day. She's an awesome person, but um, she's the one that helped guide me to try to find my path again. And then um, I long-term subbed for a music teacher friend of mine. And I was like, oh, I think I might try this out. So I got my alternative cert. And then I got my first teaching job in 2014, which was high school and middle school at the same time, which was insane. (laughs) I will never do that again. Bless you. But I learned a lot in those first two years of doing both. Um, And then I came here to the Goose and been teaching junior high at CBJ this whole time. And it's... Um, been really rewarding because as a student, when I was like a lost teenager that didn't know, have a lot of friends or know what was up, um, I was my music teacher and choir that saved me, so to speak. So all of that brought me where I'm at today. Awesome. What about you, Maria? I'm a little similar uh, to your story. I was performing overseas, uh, found out that my sister was pregnant and wanted to move back stateside and uh, contacted a college friend who happened to work in Goose Creek. Mm -hmm. And she let me know about a position opening at Gentry Junior School. And I had never taught music. I was a performance major the same. And um, we just wanted to get back stateside. So I thought, why not try it? And so I applied, got the job. And I, I think that was in 2009. I worked... Um, at Gentry for many years and I thought I would just come back stateside work for a year try the choir director thing and then continue my audition circuit in the United States which I did for a little bit but then I just fell in love with teaching and I knew it was what what I was supposed to do and so I decided to go long term with it and so that's how I ended up a choir director I think middle school particular for me when I taught at the high school I did enjoy it it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just think that middle school kids are my people. I think that we get each other. They get me. I get them. Yeah. Um, and it's just more comfortable for me to teach at that level. I know just from general experience, you know, there, there's elementary people and secondary people a lot of times. There are people that do elementary and couldn't imagine themselves doing secondary and their secondary people is like, well, I love the babies. I don't know if I can, I can work with the babies, that kind of thing. But I think, (laughs) but I also think that people that really like if middle school is their jam, Mm -hmm. like those people are extremely special people because they don't go either way. Like they just get to middle school and like, this is what I, this is what I am. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really interesting to hear those, those thoughts because not everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think you guys are both being modest. I'm just going to say this for the listeners. Um, these these two ladies are serious performers and serious opera singers. Like, like they play zero games. <laughs> and they're both extremely modest. But I'm going to talk their stuff for them because they don't want to talk. <laughs> it. They, they are both uh, serious performers that 
are given the gift of their experiences and, and, and their knowledge to our students. So we're always mm-hmm. appreciative of that. So now I'm being nosy. Where were you overseas at, Maria? Um, I performed for a couple years in Italy, and then I finished performing overseas in China. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I, I sang here for a while, like Dallas Opera, That, but then when we moved over there, it's like you get caught up in contract yeah. work and you continue signing another contract because mm-hmm. it's like sweet deals and yeah. but then you it's very hard to be away from your family for that long so yeah I was tired of living out of hotels and um suitcases and I just Five wanted something more stable room service it's such a I mean <laughs> you know we would hide like a rice cooker to make cakes in our room and stuff <laughs> oh, <that's so laughs> because cool. we miss like regular food they they would yeah. serve us like crispy pigeon and stuff like that what? in China yes crispy was, pigeon I'm telling you that was like what was offered for dinner at night so. okay That's hold on cool. <clears throat> wait wait now, now now I'm off into this now now, now I'm completely <laughs> off side. literally literally pigeon Crispy pigeon with warm bread. <laughs> so I ate the bread. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that crispy pigeon awesome with warm like. bread. Yes, <laughs> okay. and so we would make um, um, cakes in our rice cooker. Not, awesome. not. I'm, I'm not hating That's on it. <laughs> I refuse to hate on it. I won't hate on it at all. That's right. Hey, different no cultures. Judgment. Different <laughs> different cultures do different things. That's right. So that's that, awesome. That's that's great. So. From what I've noticed, and I think we're getting off into the more middle school specific kind of things, uh, from what I've noticed, uh, the people at secondary that really prefer middle school are builders by nature. Like they like having the raw clay mm-hmm. on, the, on the wheel, per se, on, on that potter's wheel to get that started. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does teaching middle school choir differ because you both got both of you have experience like we talked about before doing high school how does it differ from high school I guess for me it's kind of what you said like I have this raw clay on the whatever they use to make pottery that little spinny <laughs> thing yeah thingy. whatever it is potter's yeah, wheel. yeah potter's wheel duh <laughs> I knew that little ghosts um, you know what I'm saying yeah and and then I also like see myself a lot in a lot of the kids that I teach when I was that age, where some of them are real confident, which was not me in middle school. And then there's some that were more like me that are a little shy and whatever. And so I try, I try to, you know, level out the really um, egotistical children that are beautiful children, and then bring up the ones that are a little that just need that extra boost and try to mold all of that together. Um, Based on my experiences, because, um, I didn't have a really good middle school experience, and so I tried to make my room a safe space and a and a fun place to learn music and fall in love with choral music specifically, and just singing and bringing out the ones that are less confident to be more confident, and the ones that are confident to see the other ones that are maybe struggling and just build that family aspect that I love so much about, you know, just any performing group like that in general, but specifically choir, it's real emotional. Like I was tearing up with them just practicing Christmas music yesterday because there's just some that they're just singing their little hearts out and they're not blending or doing anything super great right now because they're just learning their parts. But it's just, and it was like some of the kids that get in trouble all the time, but they don't get in trouble in my room because they found their niche. 
So, you know, just little situations like that, I guess. I don't know if I'm going off topic with the original question, but. I don't think that you um, are at all. Yeah. Because just, every kid needs a trusted adult. Yeah. And every I think that's my favorite part about middle school is because they're trying to figure out who they are for the first time. Yeah. That realization is, is happening for them. And the fact that we've all, we're all old enough where we've kind of been there, done that. Um, I think that's why I like teaching middle school so much because we're, I just want them to try to find their niche or try to find out who they are and build on that before they get to high school. And reflecting on that psychological safety that you're talking about, because mm-hmm. it's that first evolution of themselves mm-hmm. and yeah. it's so formative because if you have a terrible experience at middle school, just in life, that's very formative. That that sticks with you in a very... It sticks with me to this day. Yeah. My middle school experience was like one of the worst years of my life. I understand. <laughs> so no, I, it, it really I, does. And I just, I don't want that to happen for my students. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that my middle school years were like my glory years. And so <laughs> I feel like I want to make that for my kids. Like I want mm-hmm. them to have an amazing experience because sometimes middle school can suck. Yeah. Like it can be really hard on them. That transition is not easy. And I think one thing that, one thing that I really like about middle school is that they're coming from elementary where they get to do what they really, really love. Like if they love to sing, they get to do it maybe once every 10 days, once every 10 classes. Right. But they're moving to junior high and now they get to do what they love every single day with a group of people who love the same thing that they do. Mm-hmm. And so there's something unique about that because they're, they, everything is still new. Everything is still fresh for them. They're still interested and excited, and they're learning a lot of new things. So everything feels um, new and exciting. And I think when you get to the high school, it's more polishing. It's more they've learned the basics, and now, I mean, unless they're brand new to choir, but now you're polishing and you're kind of um, finessing what they already know. And so, in a way, in junior high, you feel more needed. You feel like mm-hmm. um, it's all fresh and new, and you're getting to see it through their eyes. And it's it's more exciting to me to mm-hmm. teach middle school in that way. Yeah, I f- I think it's it's kind of ironic that you, both of you guys are on the episode, and you have these two sides of the coin kind of perspective on it, because I found through experience that a lot of adults that get into education, it's kind of for one of those two things. Right. Like either, man, I had this great experience and I want to make sure that the kids have this same great experience or mm-hmm. a similar great experience where I feel like, it, 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 you know, that was my glory years and I want them to have glory years. Or I didn't have such a great experience and I want to be the adult that makes sure that this doesn't happen to them like it happened to me. Right. Like mm-hmm. I want to be the protector and the safeguarder like, nah. It's not going down like this again, mm-hmm. yeah. not, not on my watch. And mm-hmm. like, I get that. Honestly, in my own journey, I wanted, I got into education because I wanted to be the adult that I desperately needed mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So me personally, I relate a little more to uh, Hillary's perspective than yours, Maria, but completely, both of them are completely valid. Mm-hmm. My and high it, school experience was similar to like the glory years for me because yeah. I made all state three years in a row and my high school quadri- teacher again, humble brag. Just humble brag. super, humble brag. you know, I got to throw that in every once in a while. You, you know, know. Um, talk your, talk your stuff. It's a lot Hillary. of hard work. Okay. Talk it. 
But you need to say it in your voice. Uh, I made the All I made State the, Choir. Uh, team EA Texas All State Choir three years in a row. Oh, I forget was, that. Uh, say that with your whole chest. <laughs> I was uh, first chair my senior year, alto yeah. too. Thank you so much. Full chest voice. There it is. There Full it chest is. voice. No, but but that experience, and I'll, I even tell my middle school kids like. Even though my, and I'll, I'll tell them often, like, my middle school experience was poop. I only knew Soulfetch based on the Do Re Mi song of Sound of Music until mm-hmm. ninth grade. And I worked my butt off going into high school, and I had a choir teacher that in high school that was like, you know, you can do this. Here's the push you need. And she was hard. but And I try to just tell my middle school kids, like, you can build up to that point. You can succeed in this, especially, like, because I think everybody can sing, regardless of whether they can't or not. And, you know, trying to give my kids that boost, even though my experience was not good in middle school, like you said, I don't want that for them at all. So I try my best to make them enjoy it while they're there and want to come back. Well, you know, uh, Holly was just on last week's episode. Holly Llewellyn. Shout out to Holly Llewellyn, by shout the way. Shout out. Oh, it's amazing. Shout out a student. Can I please? I promised I would. Go ahead. Okay. Um, this is a shout out to Karan Clark. I told you I would do this for you. Thank you for being a leader. Thank you for working so hard. Karan Clark, everybody. Good snaps, job, Karan. Snaps. Maybe we need to have Karan on the podcast, Absolutely. maybe. He's amazing. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to have to have you vet him, though. Make sure he doesn't go rogue <laughs> on, no, me, on, on, on the podcast. But, um, crap, that, that completely took me out of my I'm train sorry. of thought. No, you're a shout out to Holly. Yeah, I was okay. shouting out to Holly. But yes. yeah, th- thank you, Hillary. I appreciate you're welcome, that. You're welcome. Um, yeah, w- hey, we, it's dynamic here on the Arts Effect podcast. <laughs> Anything can happen. But Hillary, uh, you're Hillary. Uh, Holly said that uh, the voice is very personal, like it it's with yes. you at all times. And, and I, I never thought of it that way. That was enlightening to me because as an instrumentalist, I can put my instrument away. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's in a case or on a stand or whatever, but yeah. your voice is with you at all times. Right. And that idea that, look, everybody can do this because I know it could be I know we're kind of going to the next thing. But like the idea of Soulfish, a lot of kids have no idea what that is mm-hmm. because right. you're in elementary school and, you know, you're hitting the very, 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 very basics. Or as I call it, you know, you're just kind of getting the spark. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're sparking the interest in, in teaching them basics, but they don't necessarily know that they're getting the basics right. until they get to you and they realize like, oh, yeah, I learned that in elementary school. So that way that they didn't realize they're surprised more or less by the foundation that they have. So I'm a, I imagine that's like a humbling thing. Oh, yeah. But like for just sure. what do you mean? What's this dough stuff? Oh, require gang signs. Me. That's what my kids call them. Require <laughs> gang. gang signs. Yep. They're like, if they want to take, when we're taking pictures, they always want to do like, so I'm like, you can do do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, or do. That's it. You cannot do any other signs in the picture. You can hold up a hand sign. Choir gang that's, signs. That's what they exactly. call That has completely changed my, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to think about that for the rest of the day. <laughs> throw, throw, throw your me's up. That's right. <laughs> throw, throw your, everybody that's throw right. your me's up. Throw your Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, nah, man. Oh, Jesus. That is hilarious. <laughs> Throw your choir gang signs up. But I mean, but see, the other part of that is and it's at teaching them to sing formally with classical training mm-hmm. versus raw talent. You know, the kid that might have a bad grade in choir and here comes somebody. Well, my baby be singing her little heart out with the radio in the car. I don't understand. Or. Or they do so well when we do karaoke at the family reunion. Right. 
you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's like, nah, but this isn't this isn't the same thing. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, you experience that with dance too. It's like, well, I don't understand. You know, my daughter or son, they have they have rhythm, they can dance, but it's 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 a completely different thing when it's organized. Mm-hmm. Right. That kind of situation. So so talk to me a little bit about you know how you navigate that or, or some of those people that come in with that raw talent or maybe they think they have raw talent and and molding that for the very first time because i imagine that has to be you have to do that very carefully because you don't want to destroy anyone's confidence or willingness to yes get right. out there i think it's the same when you look at it i tell my kids a lot we don't run how we walk and we don't sing how we talk right we don't yep. do that and Ooh, that's a good one. I feel like I need to snap on that one. Yeah, that is a snap. (laughs) That's that's a poster right there. And (laughs) I think that you could have, I I think about a runner. If you think about a runner who's like really, really talented and they run super duper fast, I I wouldn't know anything about that, by the way. I'm like, only if I'm being chased by a murderer would I run. But (laughs) there are real athletes that run like for real. And if you do it without proper technique long enough, you're not going to be an athlete for very long. And that's what I try to tell my kids. You are singing really great. You have this raw talent, but there needs to be something where you learn how to utilize those muscles in a real, like a real technical way Mm -hmm. so that years down the line, whether you decide to be a performer, a teacher, or just grow old and sing at church, you can do it until your last breath and Mm -hmm. you still have your voice intact and I mean, again, we are our instrument, so you have to take care of it and you have to do it with proper technique. And mm-hmm. so even though you may have that raw talent, that talent has to be uh, molded and they still have to learn how to use that talent in a healthy way. Yeah. In I have my a, opinion. I have a sixth grader right now who she can belt like nobody's business, and she, mm-hmm. but she's scooping and sliding and doing all these things carrying the chest voice too high and things like that. And so I've had those discussions before where like, you know, you learn how to do some basic things in math. And once you learn those basic things, you can apply that to literally any other type of math because Mm -hmm. it all, you have to start from the bottom and that's what classical training, so to speak is for the voice. And like you said, I've told them before, like it's a muscle in your body. If you wear it out too much in the incorrect way, you will not have it when mm-hmm. you're older or if you want to perform or whatever. And cause I, I can, I sing many different styles and I'll demonstrate some of that with my kids too. And they're like, how can you sing like an opera singer and then sing like Whitney Houston or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, because I started off learning how to sing like an opera singer or singing with the tall vowels and knowing where to place the tongue and do all these things. But if you can learn all those basics, all the other genres of singing are way easier and you learn how to do it more healthily you know, because a lot of it is vocal health. I talk a lot about vocal health with my kids too. Um, Cause you know, it's sometimes hard to imagine. Like I tell them your vocal fold, your vocal folds, if you look at your pinky fingernail, that's about how big they are mm-hmm. for the average person. And th- they're like, what? And then it blows their mind. And like, that's a very tiny little muscle that if anything happens to it, you know, your instrument is can be potentially gone or messed up or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah just trying to, trying to tame those voices and or build up the really airy ones because a lot of air isn't good either. You know, trying to find that balance is sometimes challenging, but that's the rewarding part about the junior high level is building up the confidence and leveling people out. I love it. And sometimes it's by what they like. 
Because when you say um, someone is classically trained, that, that word classical triggers, okay, but I don't want to sing opera. I don't yeah. want to do this. I don't want to do that. And they start naming all the, the artists that they like. I would rather do this and not that. But what mm-hmm. they don't understand is those same artists that sing the music that they like, whatever that might be, mm-hmm. literally whatever it might be, there's a, at a certain level, they all get a vocal coach. Yeah. And they learn the same things that you're trying to yeah. teach them to better refine their instrument. Well, it's just that mm-hmm. technique. If you're a good driver, if you're a good driver and somebody gives you, you know, little junky kind of car and you, you're a good driver. Okay. But then if somebody hands you a key, the keys to a, I don't know, a Bugatti, you can still drive that well. A Bugatti is a, is a car that costs a million dollars. Okay. I am about to say it sounds And it's got like a thousand horsepower. I know I have two. I've never heard of that. Okay. A Lamborghini. Is that better? Yeah, that's good. I know that one. Lamborghini. Yeah, I bet y'all do. The fancy people over here in Italy. I've never. I didn't go to Italy. I wish I did, but I haven't been there yet. Pick me pick me up. Well, you know, I actually drove a Lamborghini once. Oh, I bet that was cool. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. Shout out to my wife for uh, helping me out with that for my birthday one year. That's appreciate, right. Appreciate you, baby. Shout anyway. out to his wife. <laughs> Shout out to Mr. LeVan's wife. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. So, but if you know how to drive, you have, if you don't know how to drive, it doesn't matter. You're going to wreck right. any of those cars. Yep. So the idea of technique, teaching them the raw technique, I, I, I right. imagine it takes you a little while to probably get them convinced of that. Mm-hmm. But once they realize, once they go to, like if you have a church kid and once they see, wait a minute, like I sang in church all day and I don't, I didn't lose my voice right. because I mm-hmm. wouldn't holler in the whole time. Like I actually got some technique to go with this and I got some endurance. Okay. Now, now I'm with you. Now I'm in it. What, what else yep. can I get? And another thing we'll acknowledge the elephant in the room, especially since we're talking about middle school, like, the voice change. Yep. Like when, when the fella's voice, voice finally kicks in uh-huh. overnight. Because <clears throat> there's a, there's a well-documented story about Barry White. He said literally his voice changed overnight. And he like got the Barry White voice mm-hmm. literally <laughs> overnight. I believe it. Yes, it happened. It scared the crap out of his mom when he told her, uh, told her good morning, I think is the, is the story. But like how do you guys deal with that? I think it's more, I think people put more emphasis on uh, the male voice change because it's, I guess it's more pronounced and um, more obvious, but I think the girls go through it during middle school as well. They have this giant hole in their middle voice that is just nothing but air and you have to be careful because they'll want to squeeze and push and do things to fill that hole so it's not so breathy and that's where you can start getting into trouble like vocal trouble mm-hmm. and then for the boys they it's so unpredictable that they don't know if it's going to crack if it's going to go high and squeak if nothing's going to come out and so you really have to build the most safe space in your room mm-hmm. to where they never feel like they're going to be made fun of yeah. they never feel like anybody is going to judge them it's just open and free and when they crack we're like represent that was a big one you know and we we just hold each other up instead of they have to feel safe to really navigate that change Mm -hmm. yeah you even see that like like going to some high school concerts for example you'll hear some young men with great voices but it's you know they're teeny tiny Mm -hmm. yeah and you'll just be in the audience like 
like, bro, if you just stepped on the gas, mm-hmm. th- this would be it's special now. And I don't think you realize it, mm-hmm. but it'd be extra special if you just stepped on the gas and put a little mm-hmm. put a little something on it mm-hmm. and, and just really sung out and, 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 and went 10 and toes down and, yeah. ju- and just just went for it. You know, not not out of control, of course, but but not that mousy. OK, I think I'm, that's probably them afraid to crack. They're usually yeah. is pressure. what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's going to break. Yeah, if you applied that pressure, you'd be, it, it'd be crazy good. Mm-hmm. Crazy good. Yeah, I agree with the safe space thing for sure. Like You have to, yes. especially in boys' choir. Yeah, because, yeah. They, and that's why it's that's why it's important in, at the junior high level to uh, kind of gender split the classes. Because if there's only a few boys in a room full of girls, there's they're no never going to sing. Especially sixth grade. Yes. Yeah. You they will lose will them. They will show out and not sing a note because they are so afraid of being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, building that, that camaraderie with the dudes and... My dudes this year are an interesting bunch. Oh, but mine grow out. <laughs> they grow out. It's like a but, fraternity up there. Yeah, like uh-huh. we're, we're learning Justin Bieber's mistletoe for a Christmas concert, and they're they're all in their feels about it. It's hilarious. Mistletoe? But mistletoe, yes, sir. Oh, oh, my. Oh, they love it. They're like, shouty, we... Okay. And they get all into it. It's great. Y'all missed that. She she full went into character. There was a there's <laughs> a serious there was a serious head, head knot that That's was going what my on boys too. Do. They're like shoddy, and they all do that <laughs> just by themselves. It's hilarious. Just, I, I wish we had video if you could see this because she just she just goes into it and then just comes straight back out of it. Like she just flips the switch immediately. <laughs> So and I mean and I'm glad because that was one of the things we wanted to talk about and we didn't have to bring it up formally, but just the socio emotional aspect of being in middle school because the their psyche and where they are is so fragile at that point mm-hmm. and so formative. So to hear you all talk about safe spaces, I oh, think yeah. is important to the listeners, especially the educators listening, is the importance of psychological safety in your room because we all pursue excellence. Right. Yeah. You know, we all because music, especially we're just talking about music for the moment. This is the arts effect, but we're talking about music right now. Music teaches you per perfection. Like mm-hmm. it has to be 100 percent or it's no or it's no percent. You know, you can't a 97 isn't an A in music. It, it, yeah. It's got to be 100 percent correct. And while we go through that process to refine and get to that 100 percent. Sometimes that could be jarring or frustrating and all the negative emotions that come with it because in order to refine anything, it requires friction, mm-hmm. right? Knives don't get sharpened just from sitting there. It, it, it requires some friction in order to make it as sharp and as effective as it can be. And sometimes that friction causes real friction. It causes psychological friction, but providing that safe space and to hear you both talk about it intentionally, I think it, it should be inspiring to the educators that are listening or anyone, you know, having a safe space is so important because 100%. while we need to eliminate mistakes, you need to feel, be free enough to make honest mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying, but I'm just messing up. I'm not getting it yet. Now there's a difference between, you know, willful and willful indifference and all of that. That's a completely different subject and we're not talking yeah. about that, but being safe to make that mistake. Just just like what Maria said, "Hey, if my voice cracks, you know, represent. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. no problem." Well, we'll all smile like, "Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Let's start mm-hmm. again." Uh-huh. And you don't have time to be embarrassed because you know you're in a safe space. Right. Correct. And they feel comfortable and confident and they know that that everybody's going to lift them up and not tear them down. And mm-hmm. so I think that's important for them to do that. But you have to meet those 
um, those emotional needs first before you can request perfection or anything else. Because if those are not met, then you're really not getting what they have to offer fully. And once you meet them at what they need, then they will do anything for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I do, um, those one-on-one, like, you know, voice testing at the beginning of the year, I don't just do the warm-ups with them and say, okay, bye. Like I have conversations with them and start building relationships from week one and that little, little steps like that. And I, I start each class with like, all right, Hey, if you're having a bad day, don't be afraid to let me know if, cause if I see you not singing, I'm going to assume something's wrong or maybe you're, you know, whatever. And I just, I constantly remind them like, we are here for you, not just as singers or people in the choir, but for you personally. I helped a girl with science yesterday because yeah. she was freaking out about a test, you know, like, and I had to look some stuff up because I haven't done science in a while. But, you know, like, sit, lots of different ways for them to just, yeah, I remind them constantly that our room is a safe space for many reasons and that yeah. we're here for them no matter what, so. I think at the junior high, that part is a lot more than any other level. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think that they need more of that, more of those check-ins, more Mm -hmm. of those, because this is where they really are going through a lot of hormonal Mm -hmm. feelings and changes. This is where sometimes, you know, parents are going through things and you have to just meet them with what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my, um, a middle school principal that I know used to say, you know, middle school kids present like high school, but they're more elementary than high school. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to be high school, but they're still have the elementary sensibilities mm-hmm. and the elementary lack of discipline or lack of emotional control. And it's, but it's a weird in between and you're helping them navigate it. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, no doubt. And then, you know, you know, hot tips probably help too. you know, considering how you guys rock it out, the Takis. And the, and, and the uh, food, food does help oh, in general. If you yep. feed them, they will. Yes. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> middle school kids and hot chips. Dude, just food in general. If you yeah. feed them. Dude, we, yeah, we have a thing of peppermints. And they're like, can we have a mint? They want mints. Like it doesn't matter. Day. It doesn't matter what it is. No, literally. It literally doesn't. You could walk in there with a thing of King's Hawaiian rolls. Ooh, can I have oh, a roll? One hundred percent. Like, like it's a, packets. Chick Fil A sauce. Oh yeah, Miss. I see Chick Fil A sauce. Can I'm like absolutely not. You cannot <laughs> yeah. just. I eat. see Chick Fil A sauce. So do I. <laughs> what what are we What are we even talking about? I know. Say, like, well, is there Chick Fil A? Can I just have some sauce? Why? Just the sauce. Why? I, I, Wait, I, they I, literally I, just want the they sauce. Was just like, I'm like, I can't. That's disgusting, man. I love my condiments, but dude, nah, nah, <laughs> like not like that. Nah, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I well, can't support you can that. Never unknow that now. I cannot support that in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I just, I just gotta say that. So I know we've talked about choir, so let's kind of go back and talk about you guys again. So being a middle school teacher is not easy. Being a teacher is not easy. So how do you guys go about? And we ask everybody these questions, you know, how do you go about balancing it all and, and, and dealing with the, the stress of being an educator? Because so many people don't understand what we do. 
as educators and what you go through as educators. And, and it's always on the outside looking in, but they don't really know. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about, you know, that, that balance and keeping your mental health together and finding a safe space for yourself so you can provide a safe space for your students? I personally, as much as I love my job and I love my kids that I teach and the people I work with, when I get in my car to leave to go home, I have to not think about work. I have to focus on family and I have to focus on something for me. I kind of have to leave work at work, if that makes sense. Um, Because I think if I thought about work all the time, which sometimes I do and I can get my head wrapped around stuff, but that's one of the ways I try to cope is once I get in my car and head home, I'm leaving work, so work is done for the day. Uh, And I have two kids, so it's easy for me to get distracted not thinking about work because I'm taking care of them and then turning into mom mode uh, when I get home. Um, My husband and I on the weekends play Minecraft with, uh, you know, some of my siblings and friends, and so I, I like to craft, I like to read, or I'll try to perform here and there and just do all these, those hobbies and things that I love as decompressants um, for me personally. Because you were I just do. in a show, right? Didn't you just, like, just uh, yeah, do a show? Uh, uh, back in August, uh, we did a fundraiser event and we did uh, Into the Woods. Okay. To, uh, and all the funds were raised for a, a nonprofit um, in the Beaumont area. So I did it with my, my high school director, played piano and led, led the orchestra actually. And I did it with a bunch of high school friends um, people I went to high school and college with, and we, we put on into the woods, a Beautiful. stage version of it. It was really cool. Nice. So yeah, little things like that are, um, really big de-stressors for me. Um, and I love board games and games in general. So things like that, that can distract my mind. But the main thing is leaving work at work as much as possible. Uh, but when I'm in work, I'm working my booty off Yeah, for those kids, for my program. But if I thought about work all the time, I think I would be so stressed out and then also being mom mode and everything else. So that's, that's kind of how I cope. I have to just leave work at work, not take it home with me and focus on me and my kids and my family. What about you, Maria? I've tried to do that. (laughs) I have, I have tried to do that. It took me, it Um, took me a lot like years, but I'm finally getting there. (laughs) I have tried for years to do that. And I think, I just think in general, being a teacher, and this goes for some other professions too. Mm-hmm. But being a, a teacher, it kind of melds in with your real life. It, you can't help that from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm cooking, I'm thinking about, you know, did I turn in that, you know, paper that had to be turned in? Or when I'm in the shower, I'm thinking, you know, oh, I didn't order that food item or whatever I needed to bring um, you're constantly thinking about work while you're doing your other things in life. And that's just something that I, as much as I've tried not to do that, it just creeps in your brain. Mm-hmm. It is with you always because it kind of melds with your real life. But what I have started to do is to allow myself grace and um, say, it's okay if everything doesn't get checked off the list today. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow I'll go back and I'll start where I left off. And maybe not everything is perfect and not everything is exactly right at the end. But the journey that it took to get there to maybe not that perfect ending, was it a good journey? 
with your kids? Did you develop relationships where they saw you find joy in what you were doing? Or did they see you stressed out the entire time? And I think my goal is to um, give myself uh, permission to not do every single thing that needs to get done on that list for that day. Mm -hmm. And then forgive myself and say, you're human and you're allowed to go home and enjoy dinner with your family, even though those thoughts are still going to creep in and you're going to think that's the first thing I have to do tomorrow when I get there. Mm -hmm. Um, That has helped me to, if you want to call it balance in, in some ways that has helped me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's not like I don't think about work sometimes at home because like you said, those thoughts do come up mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, man, I forgot to go do this and that, but I make a to-do list for the next day before I leave work every day mm-hmm. so that when I get to my desk, I'm like, okay, here's the things I need to keep accomplishing. Cause the list is never ending. So mm-hmm. it is never <laughs> but ending. it helps me make uh, making bullet point lists really help me. And so I do that at the end of my day to kind of de-stress and decompress and that helps me like leave the work at work, so to speak. Cause I'm making a list I'm preparing for the next day. I'm not just walking in freaking out like, okay, what do I need to do? Right. So that's kind of what I do. that is also a good way to look at the list because the list can be daunting. Mm-hmm. And if you just accept the fact that the list is never going to be finished. Correct. Then, then you're not panicking. You're like, look, there is no finish line. Like mm-hmm. even yeah. when we get to the end of the year, you still have a million things to yep. prepare for the following year. So it's just like if you don't look at it in terms of I got to finish the list, you're able to relax and say, I'll just yep. get to that part tomorrow. Like the laundry at my house. Yeah. <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> well, like, there was a guy, uh, Simon Sinek. I don't know if you guys know that name or not. He wrote a book called The Infinite Game and the idea of a finite versus an infinite game. And for those Simon Sinek fans, if I mess this up, please, please don't judge me. I'm doing the best that I can. But a finite... It, the idea of a finite game, like uh, in football, it's four quarters, the clock goes zero, somebody wins, somebody loses, the game is over. But in life or in something like this, there's something, the infinite game, where you win the game by playing it. Right. Like just by playing it, just by being involved in it, mm-hmm. that's that's how you win. Right. There's, there's no score, there's no beginning, there's no end, other than just your own lifespan, your own lifetime. But that's what it is so a lot of times in teaching music and everything that you're talking about it's just it's the infinite game mm-hmm. just get up and you do it again and I think it's important educators and, and people who are listening uh, that may not be educators that are struggling to find that work-life balance you're getting some real nuggets here right now and that this is why we ask the question because some people don't know how when or where to start like, mm-hmm. I know I need to do this, but I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's easy to glean from other people. Like, okay, well, what works for you? What works for me? Let me try that. And then maybe just that little spark of inspiration can can help someone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thank you guys both for being very open about your processes. So next question. In your opinion, what's the most fulfilling part of your job? Um, for me... I mean, me tearing up, I think it was yesterday, just seeing my kids sing through the sing-along Christmas carols and just tearing up at the fact that these humans are all together making music, whether it sounds good or not at the moment. And the f- just little, I'm a, I'm a really emotional person, so I get I get distracted on just the, the thought of 
humans coming together to making music. No one's talking at the time because you're singing and you're just, they're just singing Christmas, you know, Jingle Bell Rock or whatever it was. And little moments like that where I can get overwhelmed with my emotions and that it happens like at least once a week for me. That's some of the most fulfilling things to me is when I'm overcome with these humans that are just trying to figure themselves out and me being a, um, a leader helping them discover themselves, not just as an individual, but in this group that they're in of choir. Um, and just seeing, seeing the joy on their faces, knowing like, Hey, I sang that good. And even if they didn't, if they thought they did, it's a little, little things like that are wins. And I have something like that happen at least once a day. Um, little, little, little tiny blips of moments like that are the most fulfilling thing to me. And, you know, knowing that I've at least changed, I hope I've changed at least one kid's life in a positive way, whether they'll remember me or not. But in that, in that, in that finite moment of having them for the three years or just that one year or even half a semester or whatever it might be, um, I think that's the most rewarding thing. Mm-hmm. I know that was kind of random. That wasn't way random to answer, at all. but mm-hmm. that was not random in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's it's just those, those little blip moments that I of that attach. If something attaches to my emotions with those kids and with music in general, I think that's my most mm-hmm. fulfilling thing. Every for now sure. and then, con- I think what you're speaking to is confirmation. Yeah. Every now and then, having that confirmation mm-hmm. that you know you did it right. Yeah goes so far it doesn't have to be every single day mm-hmm. but one good moment of confirmation then you have to be dramatic but just that one moment of confirmation can encourage you for months if not years that that one moment could get you through two school years you know yeah, when, when you because you can lean on that you know mm-hmm. so that was not random in any way shape or form <laughs> no. how about you Moraine? i think the impact i think the impact that you make um and when you get to see it happen um for middle school I think it's a longer process to see that happen and then for elementary teachers it feels like a lifetime before you can really see the impact that you've done for high school you get to see it pretty quickly um there's a faster turnaround there and so you that reward comes faster for high school directors because you can see wow they went on and they became a music major or they're actually teaching now Um, but I think regardless of what they do, I think the thing that really hits home for me is when I have, uh, past students that come back and they're married and they are good people in society and you feel like you had a little part to do in that Mm -hmm. and they bring their babies to meet you and maybe they're not singing at all or have anything to do with music, but you did something that made an impact on their life that makes them remember the time that they spent with you in a positive light. And that I think is the most rewarding thing. I would say maybe the second most rewarding thing is like reaching the unreachable. You know, those kids Mm -hmm. that you think this is going to be a test, but I'm going to do it no matter what. And then when you do it, it, that is a giant win. Absolutely. Or watching that transformation happen. Mm -hmm. And just feeling like you had a small part of it is, yeah, I'm with you. So let's let's go to the other side. Let's go to the dark side for a minute. <laughs> so we won't say the worst, but what what do you find to be the most challenging part of your position? 
I would say being a teacher, a mentor, um, and run, you know, teaching the basics and the music and checking all the boxes off of the requirements of being a choir director, but then at the same time also running a small business, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you are a financial advisor, you are a mm-hmm. um, caterer, you are a party planner, you mm-hmm. are um, a seamstress, you are, uh, you have to think about dry cleaning and feeding them and you know, there are lots of things where you don't have to plan events and you don't have, you don't necessarily have to take them here to have a good day or you don't need to bring them snacks or drinks for the event. But really, I think deep down inside, you want to provide the best experience for them that you can. And so even though those added things add to your plate, I think in the end, the result that you get from doing those extra things not only makes your program stronger, but it gives your kids a better experience. But I think that is the most challenging, wearing Mm -hmm. all of the hats um, that it takes to do the job and then wearing all of the hats that it takes to be in your own personal life. You guys have heard me say this more than once in, in, in our staff meetings, but there's a difference between teaching content and running the organization. Right. Correct. And, you know, for, for the listeners there that aren't program directors, if you are also running a program, there is a big difference than just teaching the content. And, and I'm not minimizing it. Please, no, please let me be clear. <laughs> like if delivering quality instruction and quality content is extremely difficult to do, but, Program directors do that, and then they have to. Run, they are the CEO That's of an correct. of an yes. organization, and yep. depending on what it is, if you're, you know, if you have a small choir where you got, I don't know, twenty kids total in the, in the choir, that's still a small business. And then some people have these massive choir programs with like three hundred, four hundred kids in it. That, that's a larger business, and it, that takes a different skill set. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're the CEO right. yeah. of that small business, and, and you're accountable to people. And, and some people get themselves kind of in a crack. Yes, not, very much. Not from teaching the content, because they teach the fire out of the content, but running the organization mm-hmm. and missteps from running the organization is big. So aspiring music teachers that, that want to run programs, you want to be a choir director, you want to be a band director, you want to be a drill team director, so on and so forth. If you want to be any sort of director, understand you have to have the skill to run the organization. Absolutely. And I think that goes back hand in hand with your question about balancing it all and, you know, your coping with stress and things like that. They go hand in hand because if you can't if you are not mentally well, physically well, you can't get up every day and do it. If you don't get enough sleep, you don't have the energy to get up and do everything that you have to do each day. And I think it goes hand in hand with all of the different things that you have to do daily. And so I just, I also think it's important for people to understand that we are allotted like conference time, which is to get done, you know, paperwork, things that are you need to do for your walkthroughs and, you know, what regular teachers have to do. But there isn't any time allotted for running the business, right? Yep. So that you have to balance 
where that time is going to come from. Yeah, mm-hmm. You have to learn time management because there's never Absolutely. enough. Yeah. There is never enough. Yeah, I'm being a full-time mom. I, I get to my campus at 7.30 in the morning and the kids can at the earliest walk in my room at 8.25. So that gives me time to do those things specifically in the morning. Um, something else about the worst, not the worst, the most challenging, besides the many hats I 100% agree with, sometimes feeling underappreciated as an, a fine arts teacher can sometimes feel challenging because you see there's certain things handed to other organizations or other, you know, teachers in general for various things. And then fine arts is always like last on the list for some mm-hmm. people, you know, and, you know, we, we try to plan to do things with our kids and then we get overstepped in the auditorium because somebody else wants to use it and they've totally ignored our fine arts calendar that was set at the beginning of the year. Like little, sometimes little things like that where you, you get little, little jabs of feeling underappreciated sometimes is challenging and stressful and, you know, makes you, makes you feel low sometimes, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I think that's where your network of people come in and how building those relationships and making sure that they understand where you're coming from and what's important because everybody, Mm -hmm. what everybody is doing is important to them. Yes. Very important to them. And so I think everybody has good intention. I just think sometimes it's hard to look outside and uh, work together. So I think Mm -hmm. having a good network of people Mm -hmm. around you that kind of have your back and um, you can bounce ideas off of and ask questions and is important that that team is important so that you do feel seen and you do feel valued because there's somebody else that's doing the exact same thing that you're doing and knows that you're doing a good job and believes in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so just surrounding yourself with that positive. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I will say this year in particular, our fine art shout out to us, sorry, our admin team at CBJ, they're absolutely incredible and super supportive. Um, Mm -hmm. So this year has been actually one of the best years for me personally, as far as, feeling appreciated and feeling seen and and everybody has been really working together and it's it's been really cool but I've been at CBJ now for eight years so mm-hmm. it's taken that long to build those relationships yes. but it's yes. it's definitely worth worthwhile for sure but I agree that is frustrating mm-hmm. awesome. okay so, so we're going to switch gears so both of you have pre-agreed <laughs> It is time for the rapid fire questions here on the Arts Effect podcast. So we're going to get in your business a little bit. Okay. But if I say something crazy, you have to edit it out. I absolutely will not <laughs> edit it out. So, all right. First question. And, and these are kind of some of the same ones that we do, but hey, we haven't heard your opinion on it. If you were in charge, what three items would you have in the office vending machine? Honey buns, onions, and strawberry soda nice that's that's kind of strong uh well i wonder what it is with the singers and the funyuns oh my god they're amazing i just don't i like them but they're it, it doesn't i don't I know if i want to hear you sing i don't know if i would have be standing in front of a choir full of kids that have that just had funyuns. funyuns that's awesome that, that i'm sure that's an enlightening experience uh, what you got hillary big red soda which i actually have one waiting for me in the car right big now red. big red is so that's good, strong dude. it's big so red. strong but it's so good dude big red um, okay lay's barbecue chips and 
Butterfingers. Butterfingers. I love Butterfingers. They're so good. But Mariah just anytime she gets excited, what are they? There are there are many more things, but those those are my those are the top my top three. Yeah, that that would probably be my top three. Okay, another common one. Do you play any games on your smartphone? And if so, what's your favorite? I actually don't. Okay. Maybe Wordle I will play every once in a while when a friend is like, oh, I used to play it a lot when it first came out, but, and that's not necessarily an app or anything, but um, yeah, I play my Switch or my, my, on my PC more than my phone, but Wordle, I guess, if I Got had a, you. an answer. Okay. You said Minecraft. What's, what are you playing on your PC other than Minecraft? Uh, other than Minecraft, um, sometimes I'll get on a, a program called Discord with people and play Jackbox party packs. I have no, tell me what that oh is. Oh my gosh. So you use your, you, you play, it's like different mini games and things and everybody uses their phone to type in their answers and prompts come up and there's different variables. There's like Pictionary type games. It's, you should look it up. It's great party games. Cool. That so it's all, like, all you need is your cell phone to play. So it's like the game itself. plus party games. Kind of, yeah. Ish. Okay. Hey, it's it's so fun. Yes, I will. Okay. It's so fun. I love it. <laughs> it's anyway. serious. We're making some connections here. On <laughs> what about you, Miss um, Mahim? I had an intervention for my family <laughs> with my candy crush problem. My mother-in-law, she found out that I was actually buying like more. I knew I had to go. You were running point. that bill up, weren't you? Yeah. And, um, and she just looked at me and was like, that is not right. <laughs> so they made me take it off my phone. Okay. Dang. Okay. So I, but I love Candy Crush when I did have it. Okay. So next question: Do either of you collect anything? Yes. What would that be? <laughs> I, I collect if I go see a show, and there's a physical ticket or a program, I keep it. And my oldest ticket is when is from seeing Aladdin in movie theaters, 1992. Nice. That's the oldest ticket that I have. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, lipstick, I guess. I have like a million. That, that counts. Mm-hmm. That counts if, if you collect it. Yeah. If you could start your career over, what would you do differently? Think on that. We'll come back to it. Yeah, okay. Who's someone you'd like to trade places with for a day? Oh, you. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's be, do be it. Be careful what you wish Let's for. Let's do it. Just one day. It would be so fun. That would be I fun. Don't th- I don't think you, I don't think you, you would give this back to me by noon. Uh, by noon, it's like, uh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Who, who would I trade places with? I don't know. Maybe first person that just came to mind was Lady Gaga. Because that would be, her using her vocal cords for a day would be incredible. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That sounds strange. See, but you know, you're the first person that kind of went like literally Freaky Friday. Like I'm waking up as a different Dude, person. Yeah. Most she, people are like, so let me just go do what you do. Mm-hmm. And but her, her versatile versatility with being like a mainly a, like first a jazz musician and then how she is now. And she's amazing. She's, she's so incredible. I yeah. thought she would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was your, what was one of your blessings in disguise? When I went to grad school and I left literally a full ride was one of the hardest things I ever had to do, but it ended up being the best decision I ever made. 
Nice. Um, I would say. Crispy pigeon. No, <laughs> I would say probably being able to travel in Asia. That was, yeah. I mean, I never thought that I would be able to see that much over there. And I would say that is, was a huge blessing. Do you have anything autographed by a celebrity? I actually do. Um, the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls. Nice. Uh, Johnny Resnick, shout out to Goo Goo Dolls. Um, they came to Port Arthur near Nederland, where I'm from, Texas, and uh, to, f- to record a concert to film Extreme Home Makeover after Hurricane Ike like wiped out the beach. Uh, and a friend of mine that was working at a restaurant was like, dude, the Goo Goo Dolls are here. You have to come now. And me and my older sister are big fans, and they were literally, we pulled up as they were walking out of the restaurant, and my older sister, who has no filter, was like, Johnny Resnick, get over here. And uh, I had brought a CD with me, and he signed a CD. Cool. Dizzy Up the Girl album. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a signature. I'm always embarrassed to ask for one, but I have met John Legend and Mariah Carey and Sandra Bullock. Ooh, and that's I could fancy. never ask them like that's a that's a strong group of that people is though. Strong. You met Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Um. Okay. She, don't tell. Okay. Me. <laughs> don't don't tell. Uh, me. Got it. I, I I'm a musician. I read between lines okay. extremely well. So, favorite Disney character? Aurora slash Sleeping Beauty. No, I take it back. I love her as a Disney princess. Can I say one more? Yeah, sure. Wally. 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 That's my favorite of all time. I know he doesn't talk. He only goes, wowie, but Mm. I love Wally. Disney movies kind of weird me out. Okay. But but just because always the moms die. Have you noticed that? This is true. In every one. Anyway, I would say probably Ariel. I like her. Got you. Uh, The voice-oriented person just just so happens to be be her favorite. Yeah, the whole thing goes around her singing. Oh, my god, She does have a good voice. She does. And that hair. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let me see. Let me see if we can find another one. Well, I think we've covered that one. So what were you voted most likely for, or were you voted most likely for anything in your class yearbook? Yeah, most talented my senior year. Look at you. <laughs> most talented? Most talented. I can believe that. I was a class clown. Dude, for real? Yes. No, you weren't. That's <laughs> amazing. As the young people say, that's cap. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> that's no cap. <laughs> that's no cap. Dude, no that's cap. awesome. Class clown? Class clown. That's awesome. Wow. I love that. Wow. Okay. Last question. You can sing with anyone. Like have like a oh. private... Jam yeah. session. Do they have to be alive? We can go dead or alive. We can go dead or alive. You you can sing with anyone. Like Judy like, Garland, hundred percent. Huh. Okay. Her voice was just so good. Judy Garland. Okay. Like amazing. And I know I know this is terrible. Like I'm I'm asking you a horrible question because you're like. You have like this well, amazing I'm say I, oh, yeah, choices this ran of through my like, head, but yeah, I think just hearing and singing with the milkiness that is Judy Garland's voice would be incredible. The milkiness. For real. So good. Got I think it. I would just want to be on stage with Prince. Just to oh, feel that energy. Dude, that's pretty good. That's a pretty strong one. Oh my gosh. It would be amazing. I would feel like a rock star. That would be dope. Yeah. That would be dope. 
you know, one thing <laughs> one thing that was really cool, he released a demo or his demo of I Feel For You by Shaka Khan because he wrote that song. Mm. But literally, like you can look it up on YouTube. It's there. You can pull it up and you literally, it's like old school on the tape, right? So you hear the click and then you hear about four or five steps, like him walking back to probably like a stool or something. Wow. Just click, clop, clop, clop. And then the guitar starts. It's literally just him and an acoustic guitar singing that. And it was really, really... Like, like really really neat I kind of wish more of those classic star or stars or some of the stars that we really respect would release some of those demo or demonstration tracks or, or, or whatever it is for some of these songs that they wrote like Babyface did that for uh, uh, Rocksteady because he wrote that for The Whispers he released his old his old demo of that of him actually singing it so I think that's kind of neat I wish more people would do that but I know that that's, would be cool. that's entirely random but, <laughs> but that's what it is what was but, the question we skipped I just realized if you could do your career, start your oh. career over, what would you do differently? I don't think I would. You don't think you'd be a teacher? Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't like, like if like, you could I do your whole teaching career could, over, like if you could start over, start your teaching career over, it, would you do just, anything different? Just the, te- oh, just the teaching career over. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. Maybe just learn how to play piano better. <laughs> Oh, that's what I would do. I would pass piano. I would say maybe that would be the one thing. <laughs> that's what I need. Yes. The piano. Agree. Yeah, Mariah and I have talked about that before. Like our piano skills are uh, are oh. not the greatest. <laughs> no. We I learned through those the first two years of teaching high school and middle school by myself with literally no one. It's funny I, to hear you both of you talk about this together because both of you have talked to me about this it individually. Is it is bad. Yeah, I can, yeah. With these very serious faces, like. I'm way Levan, better than understand. I used to because I've had to force myself to. That was one of the things I did. I would get to school way before the sun came up. And practice. And practice piano. I those first two years. I can now play one line and sing the other part. I can do that too, that yes. a miracle. <laughs> that it, it blows my mind people that can sing and play piano at yeah, the same time I can, or sing I, and play guitar yeah, i'm pretty good at that as well i can do that for, like, and that's challenging that's a completely different <laughs> thing or you see drummers that they're like that they're, they're and singing and, and they're and they're drumming at the same time yeah. shout out to those people that could do that because okay. that's it's hard that's serious i know i know that comes <laughs> with practice i know some of y'all are sitting there and it's like well you gotta do is practice well Shout out to you for practicing and making Find that happen. Find time to practice. Absolutely. <laughs> this is <the> hard part. <laughs> well, on that note, the clock on the wall says that it is time for us to go. There is uh, no clock on the, ro- on the wall. There, there is no one. There is for, no clock on First the of all, <laughs> first of all, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> no, I might actually, I might actually edit that part out. We'll we'll see. We'll see. But. Uh, that is actually it for our episode. We appreciate you guys for coming through. I'm sorry. Wait, y'all, y'all did ASMR. Maybe I should try and do it. Okay. I've never done this before. Here we go. That's all for our episode today. I appreciate you all deeply for coming and thank you for all that you do here in Goose Creek CISD. We'll see you on the next time on the Arts Effect podcast. Is there anything you guys would like to say to anyone? Thanks for having me today. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll see you next time, folks. Signing out, Breaker Breaker. Completely just ruined it right there. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can edit it out. But I'm not. I'm not going to break character, though. We'll oh, see oh, I'm you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. 
We'll see you on the next episode.